1-800-227-5591. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Larry is taking a little time off here this morning, and in the house is Dinaology. Welcome once again, Dina. Good to have you here. Good morning. Good to be here. And it's, uh, it's always wonderful to have you aboard. I know we've got some big plans. What are we talking about today? Well, the big news this week is that the Federal Reserve hiked rates another quarter point, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about what that means for you as an investor and saver of money. Uh, we're going to talk about some some fun planning, how we plan for retirement and how the way we plan for retirement is different than it used to be. And then hopefully we'll have time and we'll get around to some states that have no income tax. A lot of my clients say they don't want to retire here because it's expensive. Right. And clients will come in as they did this past week and they'll say, where can I go that has no state income tax? And you've done some research on that. I've done a little bit of research on that. That's exciting. And, And I want to know also what you're talking about when you say, some of the things that are happening in the in the market, especially inflation, how that's going to affect us. That's going to be interesting to talk about here as well today. Well, and, and we're at a point right now where I don't think inflation is an imminent concern. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've told clients for a while now, we have not had to have a material conversation about inflation and its impact on the portfolio for a very long time. And that's a good thing, really. It's been a good thing, absolutely, Um, but I think that we may be hitting a period of time where we're going to have to start recognizing that inflation doesn't stay historically low forever Mm -hmm. as jobs continue to be added to the economy, as people's wages rise. That forces upward pressure on prices, and that upward pressure is called inflation. Mm -hmm. So we do change some things that we're doing in portfolios, and, and some of us may even change our spending behavior because of it. And that can have a broad impact on the economy, a broad impact on the markets. It's a slow move, though. Or it really, is. It's a slow paradigm shift. We have to be thinking about our money a little bit differently on how we save, and hopefully we'll get better rates in the savings department as well. Well, it, I believe that's going to be a slow thing coming, but yes. Uh, but I, I've got a whole list of what's and wherefores on what rising rates mean for everybody. So we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But I just want to recap the week in the market. Sure. Um, we have had such a nice, dynamic market really since about election time last year. The Dow was up just a tiny fraction this week, but the Dow is up 5.83% in less than three months of 2017. The S&P 500 was up a quarter point this week. The S&P is up six and a quarter for the year. And the Nasdaq's the big winner. They're up two-thirds of a percent for this week, bringing that index up 9.62% so far for 2017. wonder what the kicker was there. 
about that well, one? Well, the NASDAQ is a very tech-heavy index, and technology stocks tend to be more volatile, more volatile stocks in an up market. I expect to have a higher return. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I'm a bit of a techie geeky, so when I, I like to sort of watch that to see what happens with that. And I tend to invest in that as well. And I think that's the true about a lot of people. They invest in things that they're interested in. They invest in things that they're interested in. They invest in things that they know. Mm-hmm. The very first stock, and we've talked about this on the show before, the very first stock I ever bought was Home Depot. <laughs> I had a... That's so cool. As, as a new homeowner, yeah. I was spending a lot of time in Home Depot, and I thought, well, you know what? I bet this is a good stock to buy because every time I went into Home Depot, it was busy. Right. People were in there spending money. Now, that, that's not necessarily an indicator that that's a good stock to buy. Would be the bottom lines and their financial reports and how they manage their money also has a lot to do with it, right? It it does and it should. We've gone through periods of time where the a company's bottom line fundamentals didn't necessarily – uh, give a good indicator of what their stock price was doing. Mm-hmm. Think back to the tech bubble of the late oh, yeah. 90s. We had uh, such a euphoria about buying technology stocks. We would buy technology stocks regardless of the underlying fundamentals. I remember Yahoo mm-hmm. uh, came out as an uh, uh an IPO. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. An IPO back in the 90s and people were buying it hand over fist. Same with amazon.com. We didn't even know what Amazon was. Right. But right. it was a technology stock and it was a tech boom, so hey, the thing's got to make money, right? Well, let's buy. Yeah. So at that point, the stock was going gangbusters, but the company wasn't yet making money. Mm-hmm. The stock was going gangbusters just on simple demand. People, if if there are more buyers than sellers of a stock, that stock's going to go up. If you had a good uh, crystal ball, uh, Amazon was a good buy, but it was a long, long buy. I mean, you have to really think about it in the long terms. Um, it was volatile on the front end. It yeah. shot up like a rocket in the 90s. And, of course, like all tech stocks, had its nice little pullback. Back in 2000, but if you've been a holder of some of those bigger names, uh, Google is one that came out when I was a broker at one of the big Wall Street firms, and I remember having IPO shares of Google to sell to my clients. And the big question, no matter who I called to say, hey, I've got shares of Google to buy, the number one question was, What's a Google? <laughs> What's a Google? <laughs> yeah. You don't so, ask that question anymore. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Google, of course, is now a, a common household name. But in, in 2000 and 2001, it was not. Right. We were just on the very front end of, of learning what we could actually do on the Internet and people developing a presence on the World Wide Web. So, so yes, ultimately, when you buy a stock, you should buy that stock on the basis of strong underlying fundamentals. Do they have positive net cash flow? Do they have money in the bank or do they owe a lot of money to other people? Mm-hmm. Are people buying their product or service? What do the revenues look like? And what's the forward projection on it? But that's not always the case. In fact, this this last big run-up in the market, a lot of people have speculated that this nice run-up in the market since the end of the 08 recession has been fueled by super, super low interest rates, mm-hmm. not necessarily entirely from company fundamentals. So it will be interesting to see how the market responds as rates go up. 
This is why I think it's so very important that when you're thinking about doing it yourself, it's not a bad idea to sort of dip into it and understand the fundamentals of this, but you kind of need a professional to put your portfolio together in a way that really makes sense for you to grow. This is why we have people like yourself. Well, I, and I'm and I'm happy to provide that kind of help wherever I can. Uh, part of my job is to bring something to the table that you haven't thought of. Yeah. Um, I met with a client yesterday. We were talking about some different investment strategies, and I mentioned two or three things. And he says, oh, that's great. I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Well, good. That's why I have a job. That's right. The sounding board is also a good there, thing for you to you be go. able to be. There you go. So, listen, if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dina in our studio, Dinaology, uh, Dinaology, the phone number here is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk about all things financial. Take a look at your portfolio or if you have a specific financial question. She is our expert here today taking your phone calls. Thank you so much. You know, I was I was doing some research uh, in prep for the show today about this rate hike, and I ran across a sentence, and I really had to, to chew on it for a moment. Mm. This is the third time the Fed has raised interest rates in the last decade. Really? The last decade. We've and they've had been little incremental raises. One quarter percentage point. So since the absolute lowest interest rate, which was 0.25%, right. we have increased 0.75%. Wow. So it's not really some time to back up the truck. These are not. Uh... <laughs> no. Your your CDs aren't all of a sudden going to go back to the glory days of 5 and 6%. Your Your savings accounts and your money markets are not magically going to be three or four percent the fed has signaled that this is going to be a very slow systematic increase of rates unless they see something economically that warrants a faster pace Mm -hmm. so slow systematic rates means at least from what we know today that they're going to raise rates two more times this year probably a quarter point each what does that mean for the investor? Do they have sort of a plan to taper their change as well or change their way they invest? Well, so far, I don't think a, a complete change in investment strategy is warranted. Okay. These have been tiny, tiny moves by the Fed. Um, if the Fed comes in and they say, you know what, inflation data has come back and, and the economy is overheating more quickly than we thought it w- was going to. That may warrant a change in direction, but so far the Fed has been pretty spot on in their analysis of the economy and their analysis of how quickly or not mm-hmm. the the growth of our economy is moving. So far it has been, and we've talked about this before, it's been a healthy tortoise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, okay? we did talk about that. Um, tortoise and the hare analogy, yeah. this is a healthy tortoise, and the tortoise is still moving forward. It may have picked up a little bit of speed. It's still a tortoise. Yeah, I want him to feed my tortoise something a little bit uh, to make him go faster. If that'll help, I don't know. I'm not sure what that might be. <laughs> I'm not sure either. 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. If you'd like to talk to Dina, our financial and retirement expert here in studio, please give us a call and ask that question. We'd love to hear from you. 855-767-3123. More of the Larry Rosenthal Show. With Dina Arnett today, coming up. Stay tuned. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. 
Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Hi, this is Norm Allen, inviting you to join me every week or every day on the Out of the Norm Show on American Lifestyle Media. It's stories about people, places, things, and events from all across America. Plus, there's great programming such as Freedom of Thought with Political Viewpoints. There's Expedition Texas, sports, and music programs to fit every family interest. We're growing right now, and we want to invite you to join us by going to watch.americanlifestylemedia.com on any device or subscribe on your Roku channel store. And right now, for a limited time, it's only 99 cents per month. So simply go to watch.americanlifestylemedia.com and American Lifestyle Media on your Roku channel store. American Lifestyle Media. We're caretakers of the American spirit. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett here this morning. And for Larry, our financial and retirement expert here in studio, taking your questions. Again, that phone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. So the Fed raised rates another quarter point this week. What does it really mean to you and me? Great question, and I think we need to talk about that today because while it wasn't a huge move and it was a widely anticipated, widely expected move, so no big shockers here, uh, it does impact your bottom line. So let's talk about the, the various ways a quarter point rate hike can hit your wallet. The first way is in credit cards. Oh. If you are using credit cards and carrying a balance over from month to month, you're likely to see the interest rate that you pay on those balances go up. Mm, they're already high. so They can be. There are still a lot of the 0% for 12 months type offers out there. Uh, there are still some low 1.9, 2.9 types of credit card offers out there. But as interest rates continue to rise, you're going to see fewer and fewer of those super rock bottom interest rates available. As prevailing rates increase, credit card companies can charge more and they will. To take a quick little bit of a zig on this, when you're thinking of um, your credit cards yes. and you get a lot of these offers and you have maybe a high balance with a high interest rate, how do, does it make a lot of sense to make these transfers, these these transfers over to 0%? It can. Some credit card companies are charging you fees to make that transfer to the 0%. So you have to be aware of any transaction fees. Uh, credit card companies aren't going to give you a, a 0% offer for a super extended period of time without getting compensated for it somewhere in there. Okay. So you have to be aware of the, the transaction fees. Sometimes we'll see things like at least uh, $30 or 1% of the balance transfer amount, and then they'll cap it some at some amount. You just want to know and, and do, the, do the math. Do the math. See, yeah. see if the cost of making the transfer is less than the cost of keeping it where it is. Mm -hmm. That's a very simple way to decide whether or not... It makes sense to do it. But overall, the interest rates are going up a little bit, and that's going to affect this and other things as well. Absolutely, it will. And, and again, if you're not a person who carries a balance over from month to month, 
maybe not a big deal for you. But for those of you who do carry a balance from one month to the next, you could see those interest charges go up. Just be aware of that. That's yeah. right. And, of course, the biggie, mortgages. We, uh, we, we get several different feeds of the mortgage rates in the area, and we have been watching over the past six months or so as they tick up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the days of the less than 3% mortgage, I think those days are coming to a close. Mm -hmm. We'll start to see uh, housing as well. Its values will come up with that as well, won't they, a little bit? Maybe we'll, or we'll they see correlate at all? It, 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 there is some correlation right now. What we're seeing in spots, especially in the northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area, we're seeing such a low inventory of homes available for sale that that lack of inventory is driving prices up. Mm -hmm. We're in what most would call a seller's market right now. Oh, I see. Okay. If, if you've got 100 people looking for a house and there are only 75 homes available, you're going to bid up. You're going, you're going to, if, if you find a house that you really, really want, you're going to have to bid up the cost of that house and hopefully price your competitor out. That could possibly drive up rent costs as well, could it? It could drive up rent costs. Mm -hmm. And as interest rates are going up, it's going to drive up the cost of a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But paying more for a house combined with increased interest rates means higher housing costs. So if you're going to buy that, it sounds like it's a time to consider doing that now versus later when the interest rates do go up. Well, and again, interest rates are going up in small increments. Mm -hmm. um, I Forgive me, but I'm, I'm trying to go from memory here. I think the rate that I saw from uh, a lender that, that we do business with, I think the rate that I saw in a traditional 30-year fixed was 4.375. Yeah, I'm looking at the race this morning. It's 4.11%. Okay. Last week it was higher, 4.19%. Yeah, so so it's it's for a traditional 30-year fixed, I think it's it's fair enough to say you're going to be in excess of 4%. Yeah, it's have, really gone up from where it was. Last it has. Week. Yeah. It has. Still, historically low mortgage rates. Mm -hmm. My very first mortgage was in 1995, and I paid 7.25%, and that was considered fantastic. Wow. <laughs> so uh, to have, have thought that we could have gotten a 4% or 4.5% loan, that would have been amazing. Yeah, if so you're lucky enough to get it at that bottom that bottom mark. But you're not always going to be that lucky, especially when it comes to investing as well. You can't always get it at the bottom, and that's why you kind of do other things with investing to sort of mitigate that. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked about credit cards. We've talked about mortgages, car loans. Okay. Car loans will also be an area impacted by increasing interest rates. We've seen them for years now. Zero percent, one point nine, two point nine, um unbelievably uh nice lease rates on automobiles. These will start increasing as well. None of this is an imminent tsunami of increase, okay? We're going to see little increases over time that tend to mirror what the Federal Reserve is doing. Mm -hmm. I, I repeat, a quarter percentage point increase is not a big deal. You string a whole bunch of those together. You got a point. It, you've got a point. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we've talked about cost to you, but let's talk about some benefits of increased interest rates. You should start seeing some tiny increases in the interest that you get at the bank. I 
talk with people on a regular basis who will say to me, you know what, I've got money in the bank and I'm getting pennies every single month for my interest. Yeah, it's always been pretty low. I've I've got a money market with XYZ Bank and they're paying me 0.4%. Well, after this week's Fed increase, maybe your 0.4 goes to 0.6. Okay. Those are the kind of increases we're looking at, but it is an increase and we're moving in that direction. Yeah, but you can't outpace taxes and inflation with your investments at those kinds of rates. Well, and and let's talk about that. It is important to understand that different buckets of money have different purposes. Mm-hmm. So you've got your 401k plan or your thrift savings plan through work. And you're accumulating those dollars and you're investing those dollars in some diversified portfolio with the sole purpose of having enough money to last you the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. That bucket of money has got to outpace taxes, inflation, and investment fees. Those those three things. I forgot about that one. That's right. That's, That's a cost to an investor. The money that's sitting at the bank is not retirement money. That money is, the purpose of those dollars is to back you up in an emergency. If something happens and you need to get your hand on some cash quickly, it's there if you lose your job and need to buy some time to find a new job. Those dollars are more here and now dollars. Mm -hmm. Not not in the same ballpark of, of investment thought as the 401k or your thrift savings plan or those absolutely earmarked retirement dollars. How do you earmark that? How do you know how much should be in that uh, bucket of money versus other buckets of money? Sure. Um, on the on the retirement planning, hopefully you've done a retirement plan with a financial planner. Uh, on the savings, a good rule of thumb is three to six months of those what are called committed fixed expenses, those things that you have to pay every single month no matter what happens. Mortgages, car payments. That's right. You've got to put food on the table. You've got to keep the lights on, and you've got to put gas in the car. And not your, your dining out fees and things of that nature. That, the the that things. The wants, the wants versus needs. Well, we've got needs, wants, and wishes. Okay, I like that. So we've, uh, things that you absolutely need typically fall into that committed fixed expense category. Mm-hmm. They are non-discretionary. They're non-negotiable. Right. You've got to make your car payment. You've got to make your house payment. Mm-hmm. Add up all of those things. Multiply it times three. That is the amount, the the smallest amount you should target in savings. Add all those things up, multiply by six. That's probably the top end of what you want to have in just savings at the bank. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not not necessarily your monthly budget that you put away. No. Just those uh, mandatory needs. Right. Because we all have things in our budget that if we had to cut them out, we could. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have cable. I know that's a controversial statement to make, but no, I don't have to have cable. If life got really, really hard, I could ditch cable. Well, there's also lots of other ways around that these days. I unplugged a while back, so I'm not a cable guy either anymore. Well, you know what? You don't need to because there's so many other options that you can get. So uh, you're talking about like the Netflix and the the Roku and the little Chromecast. Somebody was trying to explain that to me the other day. Uh, Okay, fair enough. So even, even... if I were tech savvy like you, maybe I would be unplugged as well. And Loverboy is probably listening to this. I'm not advocating getting rid of cable today. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially sports fans that he, uh, sports fans like you are. That, that absolutely, might, yeah, you don't want to do that. 
Yeah, so. if cable goes, NFL Red Zone goes too. So let's not go there. Eight five five seven six seven three one two three. That's eight five five Rose one two three. If you'd like to talk to Dinaology here in studio, answering your financial questions, give us a call again. Eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Eight five five Rose one two three. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in for Larry here this morning. If you'd like to give us a call, our phone lines are open for you at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. And on the line with us, we have uh, Tanya from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Welcome aboard. And what's your question for Dina? Hi, yes. Good morning. Hi, Tanya. Hi. Um, I'm going to be starting my own business. And I wanted to know what type of retirement, how much should I put into my retirement, and what type of retirement plan. Tell me a little bit about your business, Tanya. It'll be an adult daycare. Okay. Yeah. And um, tell me, tell me a little bit more. I want to know things like: Are you going to have employees? How much money do you anticipate paying yourself? Uh, give me a little bit of an idea of the structure of this company. And, and Tanya, before you do that, would you mind just turning your radio down in the background there a little bit for us? That'll help us out a lot. Oh, sure. Thank you, thank you. Sorry to interrupt that whole conversation, That's but I was okay. hearing myself to myself, and I don't, it's a little bit crazy. I'm the sole proprietor, paying my uh, have a consultant uh, that's going to be doing uh, most of my marketing for me. So as far as the what I have on the spreadsheet, as far as what I'll be paying myself uh, in the beginning, sixty six thousand a year. As the years go on, it looks like over two hundred thousand um, dollars. Okay. My employees will be paid. Um, I don't have their information here because my consultant has that. Okay, no problem, um, no problem. But you, employees, yeah. But you will have employees, so you will not be a sole proprietor, or will they be contract employees that you simply give ten ninety nines to? 
No, they won't be contracted. Okay, so you'll be withholding the taxes and issuing paychecks. Right. Okay, so here's here's what you need to understand about retirement plans for businesses. Whatever, as the owner, you set up for yourself, if you have employees, you're going to have to offer them the same thing. So it would behoove you to sit down with someone who specializes in retirement plans for small businesses and go through the different options. You can set up what's called a safe harbor 401k plan that gives you some flexibility to determine matching contributions. You can actually phase in those contributions over a period of five years and not have to be hit immediately upon opening of the business with making matching contributions for employees. But a safe harbor 401k plan will at some point require that you start matching and the the employer match ramps up to a required 3%. Okay. That is that... The, the 401k arena can get very complicated and it can get very costly. That is the plan most people are familiar with. But the safe harbor plan is really great for small businesses because it gets you out of certain reporting requirements and it helps minimize some of the costs that would be associated otherwise with a 401k plan. Um, this is a very long conversation. It's a very detailed conversation. There are other plans, but based on what you've told me, just this tiny little bit here, I think it is certainly worth looking into that safe harbor plan first. Okay. And just that one, that's the... I, I would st- I would start there. Um, if you like, we can get some information from you, and I can talk with you offline maybe next week about this, and we can go into a little more detail. Okay, that'd be great. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call. Tanya, we appreciate it. If you'd like to dial Dina up here on the Larry Rosenthal Show, here's our phone number, 855-767-3123. Anything you'd like to ask of Dina, our financial and retirement expert here in studio, again, that phone number, 855 767 Three one two three. You know what? I absolutely love that she's getting ready to start a business and it's already on her mind to set up a retirement plan. So many people they get forget so, to pay themselves first. Well, they, they do. They get so focused on just getting the business started, getting things up and running, getting customers, bringing in the right employees, having marketing, and there's there are so many things that go into being a business owner. And so many times, I see clients forget that that very critical, very important piece of setting up the retirement plan, setting up a place to defer some of your income so that at a point in the future, hopefully of your own deciding, that you can retire and let somebody else run the business. It's also a disciplined thing. As a business owner myself, I know that paying yourself first, yes, in concept is what you should be doing always. But sometimes you're like, oh, but I need this other piece of equipment for so-and-so, or I need this other thing for so-and-so, and you just put it off, and you need to not do that, and you need to figure out a way around that. The sooner you can set up an automatic savings plan right. for yourself, the right. better off that you are. It is so hard to scale back if you've started giving yourself the entire paycheck and, and said, you know, I'll, I'll just get a few months under my feet, and then I'll start, then I'll start saving for retirement. It's very hard to scale it back. Mm-hmm. No, well, if, you get, if you get used to living on a smaller amount of money up front, you have the retirement savings set up automatically. It's out of sight. It's out of mind. You condition yourself to work with what you've got. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's the same case. If you, it's a spending habits as well. If you spend more than you earn, then you're going to find yourself in a problem as well. Well, in, in budgeting, so many people tell me, you know what, I, I just I don't budget. I don't have a budget. Well, you do. You just don't have it written down. <laughs> you have to have a budget. That's just the way you, it is. Your budget is the inflow versus the outflow. Yeah. Um, the hard part of writing all that down is being really super honest about where the money's going. Right. I tell planning clients who come in and tell me they don't have a budget, I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have a little notebook that you carry around with you everywhere you go and for the next month you're going to write down everything you spend if it's a dollar on the toll road you write down dollar on the toll road if you spend 75 cents in the soda machine at work you write it down every nothing is too small to write down because if we have a good representation of what you're doing Mm -hmm. throughout the course of the month throughout the course of the year that makes planning so much easier, and if it's written down, it's also much easier to see the things that can be cut out. And that's an interesting exercise to do no matter what. I mean, it's, I've done it before. It's an interesting exercise. You should try it just to kind of see where your money goes. The The funny thing is so many people, when they have to start writing it down, they just instinctively quit doing certain things. Oh, I'm writing this down every single day. Maybe I'm not going to go buy Starbucks for my latte this morning. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's going to happen for you or not. I mean, you're a big Starbucks fan, right? I am not. I do not drink coffee. Oh, I want my Diet Coke every morning. Oh, very good. Okay, Dolores is calling us from Silver Spring. Welcome aboard. What's your question for Dina? Uh, yes, I'm I'm just curious to know, how would you advise someone who has a TSD? I just retired, and I wanted to take some funds out, but not all because I don't want to get hit with that big tax obligation. How would you advise? I mean, everyone keeps talking about going to a Roth IRA. and I don't know. So what do you think? Okay, so you've said a number of things here that don't necessarily connect with one another. So let me go back to what you said in the beginning. You said you wanted to take some money out. Yes, possibly, yes. Okay. Do you have a big bill that you're trying to pay off? Or are you wanting to put a down payment on a house? Talk to me about that piece of the question. Uh, I was thinking about making a small investment in buying some uh, property. Um, a cousin passed away, left a house, um, I mean, no more than fifty or 60000 And uh, I was thinking about tackling that. Okay. Do you have any other source of money to use to make that investment, or is the TSP where all of your savings is? Uh, no, I do have a, a savings with mm-hmm. um, about thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, in in a perfect world, mm-hmm. you would you would leave the TSP set aside for that time when you need to use it to generate extra income for yourself. You're exactly right. If you'd withdraw lump sums from the TSP, assuming that every dollar in there was a pre-tax dollar, you're going to owe income taxes on whatever you pull out. So your taxable income in the year that you do that is going to be your pension, whether it's FERS or civil service, plus possibly some Social Security, plus whatever you pulled out of the thrift savings plan. If you don't manage that correctly, Any withdrawal that you take from the thrift savings plan could push you into a higher tax bracket. So so that's a that's something if if you don't know how to do that math, I can do that math for you. Okay? Okay. Need need to understand how that works. 
if you okay. are under 59 and a half, you may owe a penalty for making withdrawals. We can talk about that. Um, but, but the big thing is the taxation and the removal of those dollars from a growth position. When I take, I'm just going to use the number 50000 okay? If I take okay. $50,000 out of a growth position and put it somewhere else, I've taken more than fifty, right? Because I've taken what today is fifty thousand dollars, but what ten years from now maybe seventy five thousand dollars. Okay. So we've got to look not only at the, the taxes today, the amount of the money, but also what we're giving up in the future to do that. Okay, okay. You so, go ahead. So we can I can make arrangements to talk to you one on one? Absolutely, I would love that. Okay, sounds good. And how do I get in contact with you? Tell you what, Dolores, we'll just put you on hold and have Bob get some information from you, and then we'll put you two together. Thank you. All right, that sounds great. Thanks, Dolores. Thanks, Dina. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in studio with us, our financial and retirement expert in studio. Our phone number is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE123. The Thrift Savings Plan, uh, you guys are experts on that. I know you've got a lot of clients that you've worked with over the years on this. We have uh, the vast majority of our clients are either current federal employees or federal retirees. We have years and years of experience dealing with both the civil service and the FERS retirement systems, all the the variations therein, the offsets, the part-time crediting, Mm -hmm. uh, the the different things that the federal government provides for its employees. So if we've got federal uh, employees or retirees listening today, I would encourage you, give us a call. We're happy to help. There's some gotchas in that whole business, isn't there? Well, there are. And most of my federal retirees tell me that the biggest thing that surprises them at retirement is how restrictive the thrift savings plan becomes once they're no longer employed with the federal government. Oh, really? Yes. So while you're employed with the federal government, you're putting money into your thrift savings plan out of every paycheck. You invest it. You allocate it as you deem appropriate. And then when you retire, you want to start using the thrift savings plan. Maybe you want to set up a a steady stream of, of $500 a month coming in. If you want to do that, no problem. The Thrift Savings Plan will let you make that decision once per year. Oh, no, because you can't... You can't change it from month to month. It's once per year, and they'll... Excuse me. They'll give you an opportunity to make changes to that monthly payment stream in December of every year. If you decided that you just wanted to take $10,000 out for home improvements or to take a trip, they'll let you do that once. The second time you come to TSP to do a one-time withdrawal, they'll tell you you have to take out the whole thing. Oh, my. They're not set up to do these random one-off type distributions for the rest of your life. But they that's give not you how two life th- works, though. It is not. The, the uh, thrift savings plan, the m- most useful thing that they do a- after retirement is allow you to set up this monthly disbursement. The downside to that is you can't change it for a year. Yeah, that would be very, very difficult if you're just retiring and trying to figure out what you want to do with your money and how to do it. It it can be very difficult to manage, especially 
early into retirement, a lot of clients opt to roll that thrift savings plan into what's called a self-directed IRA. Mm-hmm. We do all sorts of evaluations with federal retirees to help them understand the differences because there are stark differences between being in the thrift savings plan and rolling that money into a traditional or Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. The thrift savings plan is a very inexpensive savings option for federal employees. Mm-hmm. It is the least expensive place a federal person will ever put their money. When you move it out of there, you increase the cost in one of two ways. First of all, you increase the cost on the individual investments. And if you hire someone to manage those investments for you, that investment advisor gets paid. Mm-hmm. So it's not always bad, but you need to understand what those differences are, and you need to make sure that you make the appropriate decision for yourself and your family. Because in the end, even with those costs, if you manage it correctly, you could make more money. You could. It depends on how things go. It depends on how things go. One, one downside to the thrift savings plan is there are only five investments, G, F, C, S, and I. <laughs> That's it. That's it. all you um, get. Uh, they do have the life cycle funds. I'm not a big fan of those because as you move across the timeline, the life cycle funds get more conservative. That portfolio changes every single quarter. If you're a federal employee, make sure that you remember this conversation and give us a call at some point when you're doing your planning because there are some gotchas. We've just talked about them a little bit. Brian <laughs> is on the line with us now. Let's, uh, let's talk with Brian. Uh, Dina, what's your question, Brian? Go ahead. Um, I'm thinking about starting a uh, LLC, a multi-level marketing uh, company, um, and uh, I just wanted some pointers or tips on that as far as what to look out for. MLM meaning you have uh, other people that uh, jump in on the in the tier-based thing. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, it's it's already a multi-level marketing company. Oh, I see. Um, but I, I was see. thinking about forming an LLC. That. Okay. okay, so you've already been engaged in the multi-level marketing. You've got your you've got your team put together and now you're looking for ways to protect your business liability. Yes. Okay. Um what questions do you have on setting up an LLC? Um is there an event should I be doing that versus um just doing everything under my social security number? Well, the LLC has the advantage of separating you from your business. If if someone does business with you and they end up unhappy and they decide to sue you, if everything is under your social security number, everything that you own is can be subject to the suit. If you have an LLC, Limited Liability Company, Limited Liability Corporation, they sue the company. And the only things that they have access to are those assets that are held by the company. So it is a way to protect yourself from any sort of uh, um, lawsuit liability type of issues. I would recommend very strongly that you meet with a a tax accountant, that you meet with a business attorney and determine whether the business has grown to the point where that's necessary. If you're on the very front end of this multi-level marketing business, I would say give it some time, see 
what the growth of the business is going to be. Talk to other people who are in your particular industry and find out what their experience has been. It is always good to talk to people in your same line of work and find out what they have done. Okay. Um, now, as far as uh, I'm a federal employee, mm-hmm. um, tax-wise, um, the income that comes from that, is that going to count against uh, my regular income if I just stand or without the LLC? No. Business entity? No, it should not. Um, okay. Which federal system are, are you currently employed as a federal government worker or are you a retiree? Uh, currently. Okay. Shouldn't be a big deal. They're going to be considered two separate sources of income. So if you make 75000 with the federal government and you make 25000 through your LLC, you've got $100,000 of income that you're going to have to pay taxes on. Okay. So it all, it all, in theory, goes in the same bucket, gets tallied up, and then taxed. You won't... Okay. There's, there's no offset to private uh, to to self-employment income that you're going to have to worry about okay hey brian i'm going to go ahead and put you on hold and have bob get some information from you we'll send some information about how to incorporate and things of that nature uh, add out to you our phone number here is 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 if you'd like to dial in now's a good time to do so to talk to dina ology in the house for larry rosenthal this week 855-767-3123 You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporation's NMLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, with Dina Arnett in studio for us, our financial and retirement expert in studio, 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. We've been talking about lots of different things today, and it's kind of fun when we bounce around like this, isn't it, Dina? Well, you know what? We have people come into the office all the time with different questions, and I think it is good to do a review of things that 
that come up because everybody who's listening to this show has something different that they are looking for. Um, One thing that I think most of us have in common is that we are hoping one day to retire and we're hoping that once we hit that day, we have enough assets and income to last us the rest of our lives. It's interesting. Over time, I've been doing this financial planning thing for almost 20 years now. I started very, very young. I was seven. Um, (laughs) As as time has... You're still very, very young. You're now 10, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Work that math. Um, Over time, I've seen life expectancies increase. We know more about health care. We know more about healthy living. Uh, We live longer. But did you know how much longer we're living? No, what's that? A man reaching age 65 today can expect to live on average until 84.3 years old. Wow. Got a ways to go yet. A woman turning 65 today can expect to live on average until 86.6. Wow. Okay. No, I did not know that. Chew on those numbers for a minute. How many people do you know that are in those age groups? Wow. Not me yet, but... Yeah. You're getting close, Bob's, though, right? Bob's laughing, but thanks. Thanks. <laughs> love, a lot of love in the studio. A lot of love. A lot of love. One in four 65-year-olds will reach 90. Well that's, well, that's good. One in 10 will live past 95. We're living too long. It creates a financial planning quandary because when we put together a financial plan, one of the things that we're looking for is the answer to the question – If you keep doing what you're doing today, what's the likely outcome? Mm -hmm. I have people tell me, oh, well, I'm not going to live that long. Statistically, yeah, you are. Yeah. Because the numbers I just gave you are for people who are 65 today. And they still want to retire at the same age. I've got people who come in wanting to retire at 50, at 55 years old, and we have to have the conversation. If you retire at 55 years old, there is a significant probability that you're going to be 30 or 35 years in retirement. That's another life. It is a whole nother life, and that means you need either a really good pension or a big bucket of money. That's right. A really big bucket of money. A really big bucket of money. So that turns financial planning on its ear a little bit when you take a look at the budgeting for today. We talked about that before the break. For people who have a difficult time meeting one paycheck to the next, the ability to save is very, very hard. That's pushing the retirement date further down the road into a, a category where we have to make some concessions. We have to look at Making some changes today, still living a life that that you are happy to live today, and and still balance that out with what may be a very long retirement span. Mm-hmm. So that uh, all hope is not lost. No, you, you that's not my message here at all. Yeah. My message here is planning. start <laughs> planning sooner. Don't don't wait. There's there's such. I, I read these numbers and it gives me such a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. People who are just graduating college, starting their families, you need to start financial planning now because, and I'm going to sound old, I guess, but it has gone a lot faster than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I I am, am coming up on a, on a milestone birthday in a couple of years, and it has gone really fast. I'm not sure how I got here. Well, you still got 20 years till you're going to retire, so you're good. 
At Boy, least. I hope not. <laughs> She's ready to go. <laughs> I want to retire now. <laughs> no, I um, it it, the the longevity problem has to be addressed in financial yeah. planning. It is not something we can stick our head in the sand about. It is something that must be tackled head on. And the the easiest way to handle that is to start saving very very early. It's not just a money question either. You have to think about making sure that you're healthy for that long period of time and make plans for that. Absolutely, and other things as well as you think about retiring. It's a lifestyle. The whole works. Well, people so often equate financial planning with investing, and financial planning is so much more than that. Financial planning is looking at cash flow, looking at protection for your family. That's a fancy word for insurances. Do you have the right insurances in the right amounts so that if something goes wrong, you're okay? Well, let's talk about that. How do we get started if we're just thinking about this, realizing, wow, that retirement window is getting a lot closer than I had expected it to. What do we need to do next? What are our next steps? How do we get a hold of you guys? What's going on? Well, the big thing, if if I've said something that, that sort of strikes a chord with you, give our office a call and set up an appointment with one of our financial advisors. There are three of us, and we work as a team. There's Larry Rosenthal, the president of the firm. There's Sonia Harris, and there's me. We work together as a team to help our clients meet their retirement planning college planning, new home purchase, all of their financial goals. Mm -hmm. It is far more likely that you reach those goals if you have some help planning for them. Yeah, there's the old saying, right? If you fail to plan, you you know plan to fail, unfortunately. That's just the way it is. You need to get those plans in place, and you can do it. You do. And it's not... It is not our job to do a complete upsetting of the apple cart. So many times we're making adjustments here and there to make the overall picture look look much better. Kind of like the federal government. Make a tweak. Make a tweak, and then it changes the overall economy over time. I like that analogy. We'll make some tweaks to make the overall picture what you want it to be. Okay. Well, we're coming up on the, the end of today's program already. It's been been great so far. We do want to kind of recap what we've talked about here and, and uh, we'll go from there. Well, we talked about the Federal Reserve increasing uh, the interest rate by one quarter percentage point. We talked about the major areas where you may see that impact. It's going to be in credit cards, car loans, mortgages. You may see a slight uptick in the interest rate in your savings account or your money market at the bank. The big message here is the Federal Reserve right now says that they're going to do these small incremental increases. They don't see any uh, tidal wave of inflation coming at us that would warrant anything more than perhaps a couple more quarter point increases for this year. Mm-hmm. We've talked an awful lot about financial planning today. We've talked specifically to federal employees and federal retirees about evaluating your federal benefits and making sure that you are doing the best that you can do there. We've talked about the restrictions within the thrift savings plan and having an evaluation of the cost of keeping it there versus moving it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then finally, start now. If yes. you're, There is no better time to start planning for the future than today. Life expectancies are higher than they have ever been. One in ten retirees will live past 95 years old. Yeah, I'm living forever, I've decided. I'm just going to live forever. Okay. <laughs> She's you okay make, with that. You make me want to sing a song. <laughs> Go ahead. No, we're <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining Dina Arnett in studio. Thank you for being here. And you're here with us next week as well. I will be here next week, too. And I think next weekend we're going to talk about estate planning. Get a zillion questions about that. It's not just for the rich. Right. And if you'd like to get a copy of that financial planning toolkit, remember this phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. You can call that number anytime to get information on the financial planning toolkit or to get started with your financial plan. For Dina Arnett and Bob in the back, my name is Chris McKay. We'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Have a great week.